While kids once would perhaps awkwardly learn about the birds and bees in school, sex ed has changed rather rapidly of late. Now, they're no longer learning about sex, but about gender and gender identity. Many have expressed concern about the impact this will have on kids and their understanding of their bodies, sex, and sexual orientation, as well as on their developing minds. One of those people is Carol Dancero, a parent and grandparent who worked for nonprofit environmental organizations for over 25 years as an attorney, organizer, and nonprofit director. She started digging into these new curriculums in Seattle and was disturbed by what she found, leading her to produce a number of videos outlining what is being taught to kids in schools across the U.S. under the guise of inclusion. I spoke with her about what she discovered and what we can do about it. First of all, thank you for taking the time to talk with me about this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the chance to be on your podcast. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and why you first got involved in this issue of of gender ideology, particularly with relation to its impact on kids? Sure. Um, Well, I am a parent of grown children, and I'm a grandparent based in Seattle, And um, just as background, I worked for more than 25 years as an attorney and organizer for environmental groups until I realized that funding limits the work that would be done. And I continue to be quite active um, as a volunteer on environmental issues. But I started to become aware of gender identity ideology, partly from it coming up in the environmental circles where I am working. And just in general, it kept showing up in um, different places in my life. And my first instinct was, oh, okay, this is just the next front of advancing civil rights. But then I looked into it and I discovered that it's actually the opposite, that it is destroying civil rights, in particular, the rights of girls and women, the rights of gays and lesbians, free speech, you name it. And I became keenly aware of the tremendous damage it is doing to children. And I have just always cared about children deeply um, throughout my life Um, in raising my kids, in being with other children. I've always wanted to try to make sure that all children are safe and healthy and happy and free to be themselves. And this ideology directly hurts kids. It hurts vulnerable kids who are um, encouraged into medicalized lives and physical harm, and it, and it hurts all children. So I, I found that I had to work on gender identity ideology and specifically on opposing it and specifically on finding out what's happening in the schools vis-a-vis children, which also, of course, is impacting society as a whole. I think that the schools are a major way in which this toxic ideology is spreading. So I I just began to to, um, focus on the schools and find out what they're teaching 
Um, and I'm so glad to be able to share with listeners today what we found to be uh, what's being taught in the schools and how just really horrific it is. But I, I do want to just mention that I think that this work against gender identity ideology is actually crucial to the work that needs to be done to prevent ecological disaster and to deal with the incredible economic injustice in our world. Because I think that gender identity ideology is imploding what used to be called the left. And it's blocking any chance we have of building the kind of movement we need for the major changes we need really fast. And people are being um, courted by the right wing and they're being pulled to uh, extremist um, right wing positions because there there isn't because they see this ideology which makes no sense and is so harmful coming from much of what used to be called the left but i'm very glad to be able to talk with you and uh, share with listeners what we discovered when we did a public disclosure act request and other research here in seattle which is of complete relevance as i can explain to schools everywhere and just exactly what's happening in the schools that's spreading this ideology and hurting children. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, what you discovered is this public knowledge. You said that you did a public, what did you say, a public discovery request? Yeah, most states in the United States, and probably uh, other countries have these too, have laws that say that government's not supposed to act in secrecy and government agencies include the schools. So we have laws in place that allow us to formally request the documents from schools, and they're required to give them to us. There are some exceptions, but they are, are required to give most information to us. And we found that just by looking at what was on the Seattle Schools website, you really don't get much information. And the responses we got from the point people in the school system were very vague and didn't really share the information. So we did this official request and the school district had to send us information. Now they didn't send us everything. We had to do additional research because they just actually didn't share everything as we discovered, but it was a useful tool. And um, there are people in various states in the United States who are using public disclosure laws, and other tools to try and just do this first step of making visible what's being taught, because it is largely not visible. Mm -hmm. So what, what did you learn in terms of, you know, the documents that you received um, thanks to this request? Um, I, I do want to stress that this is relevant beyond Seattle, because we know that these same messages and a lot of the same materials are being used elsewhere. And the Biden administration, through executive orders, um, is trying to push this through throughout the U.S. And we know that the forces that are pushing the ideology, the gender ideology, are well-funded and systematic. So what mm -hmm. we're seeing here... And I, just, I mean, I should add in that case, because we do we have a Canadian audience as well, that what... You know, like I, I looked at your, your videos and your resources and what's being taught 
in schools in the U.S. is similar to what's being taught in Canada as well. You know, the same thing is going on here as well. Yeah, and I was just at a, a women's sovereign women's speak event in uh, Washington State, and this is what people are seeing everywhere. And thank you for mentioning the fact that here in Seattle, we did produce a couple videos because we don't want other people to have to do all the work we did to, to just see what's being taught. So the first one actually shows portions of what's being taught. So what you discover when you actually get your hands on the big picture of what's being taught is that in the elementary school years, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, um, see, we were just looking at K through 12, kindergarten through 12, which for people not in the United States is basically the public school system from about age five to about age 18. So the first thing that happens is that in elementary school, kindergarten through fifth grade, there are a series of books that are read to the children and teachers have lesson plans and activities that go with them. And these are, for the most part, really beautiful picture books with colorful illustrations of appealing characters that you really identify with. And these basically, during this most impressionable time of the public school years, fill children's heads with the basic tenets of gender identity ideology, priming them for what comes next, which I'll talk about in a bit. But for instance, um, <clears throat> the books make it clear to children that what sex you are has nothing to do with your body, nothing whatsoever. Your physiology, really irrelevant for what sex you are, because what sex you are is whatever sex you say you are. So this gets taught to children through these appealing picture books, starting in kindergarten, where they're read this book about a teddy bear who starts out as Thomas, and then says, well, I'm really a girl, Teddy. And so they all say, oh, yes, of course you are. And then Tilly, the girl teddy bear, takes the single article of clothing on this teddy bear, which is a bow tie, puts it on Tilly's head and says, oh, I've always wanted to do that, which is a real sexist message. Why didn't you do it when you were calling yourself a boy teddy bear? and lives happily ever after. And the message that children are supposed to get from this is everybody, teddy bears and human beings alike, gets to just decide what sex you are. It has nothing to do with your body. And in case the kids don't understand the teddy metaphor, they really drive this home in all these books that happen after kindergarten through fifth grade. So it's books like um, some of the titles are It Feels Good to Be Yourself, A House for Everyone, Is That for a Boy or a Girl? And all of these feature confident, happy, assertive characters who are who include a lot of children who are who are a boy and say they're girls or who are a girl and say they're boys and the books then treat them as the sex they claim to be and act as if this is all rational and these children are, are even heroic and what sex they are really, really has nothing to do with their bodies. And um, it feels good to be yourself 
has pages in the book where they talk about what happens um, when you're born. And so they have pictures of babies. These are drawings that are very lovely illustrations who are all conveniently wearing diapers so you don't get to see their genitals. And the book literally says, quote, see, when you were born, you couldn't tell people who you were or how you felt. They looked at you and made a guess. Maybe they got it right. Maybe they got it wrong. And a guess, according to the dictionary, is forming an opinion from little or no evidence, which is absolutely not true about what happens at birth. Doctors are observing sex and they get it right in incredibly uh, most of the time, 99.99% of the time they get it right. So they, they say this stuff to kids. And then in that same book, we meet Ruthie, who is a boy, who says he's a girl. And they say, you know, when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy until she grew older, old enough to tell everyone that she's actually a girl. And then they have a, an illustration of Ruthie, who is quite a quite small child. I mean, we're talking, she looks like he, looks like he's seven or eight, maybe nine, being hugged by the family, which immediately said, oh, okay, if you say you're a girl, then you are. The dog is wagging its tail. And it says, quote, oops, Ruthie was a girl all along. They just didn't know it at first. You know, so they, they are pushing this message and it's getting kids to accept this sleight of hand that we see from gender ideologues where they say, oh, well, you know, gender and sex are different. And so somehow all of this is okay and logical. But if that's the case, why does this child saying that their gender is a girl render the sex observation invalid? Why does it mean that this boy who says he's a girl in these books, the boys who say they're girls, you know, are welcomed into girls sports. So, you know, it just primes kids to accept this bit of lack of logic and to accept the idea that bodies have nothing to do with what sex we are. And, you know, it goes on from there. Um, you probably have heard of I Am Jazz, mm -hmm. which is a book um, featuring a boy who says he's a girl. This person has their own TV shows and franchise and stuff. And this is the book where um, Jazz, right after saying how he loves the color pink, the next words are, I have a girl brain, but a boy body. This is called transgender. I was born that way. And so kids are literally being told that they have a wrong body and that people can be born in the wrong body, which is incredibly unscientific and incredibly harmful. And um, so these books are read each year, and there's these activities the teachers do with, with the children. Um, kids are told, you know, it's really important to spend time fixating on what's your gender identity and how are you expressing your gender. So if you look at the video that we uh, did, you can see this, this um, activity that's done in second grade when the teachers read a house for everyone to the children. And there's a chart, and we have you know, the correct answers in this chart, which shows each of the children in the book. There's Ivy, who's an actual girl, but doesn't deny she's a girl. And she's listed as gender identity girl she. 
there's Tom, who is a girl, who says, oh, I'm a boy. So Tom is listed as boy he. And the other characters in the book, including one who is neither a boy nor a girl. So they're, they're priming kids to believe there's some sex beyond male or female, which is not true. And then there's a column underneath where the children and the teacher are to fill in how the how the kids are expressing their gender. And what's really just bizarre is that literally everything is seen to be an expression of whether you're a boy or a girl or this mythical additional sex. So it isn't even just the the clothes and the hairdos that they're listing, but they're literally saying building with Legos, you know, is gender expression for this person named Alex. Art is gender expression. Spelling is gender expression. So, so all of this is telling kids, fixate on figuring out what your label is and, and what everybody else's label is. And literally everything you do is telling people something about whether you're a boy or a girl. So it, it's just unhealthy on so many levels, including that it robs kids of the ability to just be who they are and not be constantly thinking that it says something about um, who they, whether they're a boy or a girl, just just enjoy being and doing things for for the sake of being and doing. So um, one last thing I'll say about these kindergarten through fifth grade books is um, another book that really talks to kids about how you really should be fixating on this is it feels good to be yourself, and um, basically the book has all these characters who reject their bodies. And then it talks directly to the children. You know, the narration of the book says, you may not know yet what your gender identity is, but, you know, just keep working on it. And and you'll be able to figure out what your gender identity is. And, and they tell kids that it's like really important to be yourself. But the fundamental message to children is being yourself can include rejecting your body. So this book doesn't get into like puberty blockers and wrong sex hormones and the surgeries, but it's priming kids to accept that being yourself can literally mean surgically removing healthy body parts and chemically altering your body because apparently yourself does not include your body. So all of that was priming the kids kindergarten through five, and there's a lot more in there. <laughs> um, so then then at the end of elementary school, that's when the official sex ed curriculum kicks in, and we get official gender identity lessons, which I can talk about, and we also get official reproductive anatomy and puberty lessons, which if you don't know to look at them, you won't, but they are a major, major conduit of scientifically invalid information to children that promotes gender identity ide- ideology. So I can go on and tell about what happens with with those if you'd like, but maybe I should pause in case you wanted to say something. Yeah, I mean, there's so much there's so much to talk about in all that you've said here. I, I, I think it's so odd that, you know, they're essentially teaching kids to really obsess over their supposed gender identity. You know, like there's this hyper focus on this idea 
that they should have a gender identity and they need to like think about it a lot and figure it out and and choose one that's strange to me in and of itself yep yep i mean what got me into looking into this was deep concern for the medical damage kids are going through and the loss of rights to privacy and free speech that other kids are forced to deal with but the more i looked into it the more i felt like Boy, if you just if you just know anything about children, this is so unhealthy. This is um, it's like I said, it's robbing kids of any chance of just being who you are authentically without always assuming that people are looking at you and you're saying something about your label and always looking for your label and their label. It's so unhealthy. And that people are obsessing, you know, I, I, I looked at some of the, the, the kids' books that you, you pointed to in, in one of the videos that you made, and that people are always looking at you and judging you and picking apart your appearance, and that, you know, if you decide you want to wear a bow in your hair or you want to wear a dress but you're a boy, that, you know, people are going to kind of obsess over that, and, and you know, it's 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 you know, there's something wrong with them if they do that. But also, you know, like this idea that people are hyper-focused on your appearance and what your gender identity is, is really strange. I mean, it's like breeding little tiny narcissists or something. Narcissism is the word that comes to my mind a lot in seeing what's being inflicted on kids and seeing the attitudes of some of the more uh, offensive people who... Uh, show up at events that women are having and scream at us, which you, mm. which you know all about. <laughs> I do, yeah. And of course, I mean, it's, I'm not calling little kids narcissists. It just makes me think right. a lot about what happens to them as they get older and become adults and the impact that this kind of teaching and indoctrination has on them, including this idea that everything that a child says should be taken at face value and accepted and supported, and an adult should never, ever challenge them on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adults have a responsibility to protect children. Children, you know, they're, they're, they're growing still. And, I mean, a lot of these children in these, in these books and in real-life situations where kids are being declared to be a sex other than what they really are, a lot of them, you know, are still at the age of believing in Santa Claus, you know, and there's um, all sorts of, of, of uh, research that indicates that a, a child's ability to have sex constancy, to understand that sex is a constant thing, um, doesn't really fully form until um, sometime into elementary school. So you may have seen the uh, videos from research on this where you'll have a child who is shown a doll that is wearing stereotypically female clothing. And they say, what sex is it? What is this? And the child will say, well, that's a girl. And then they right in front of the child, take the same doll and take the the female so-called female clothing off and put something else on and the child will say that's a boy you know it's it's there's developmental stages kids have not gone through in terms of reasoning and understanding how the world works and they're kind of being kept 
in um, prior developmental stages by this ideology. I mean, for me and so many women, I'm now in my early 60s, so I'm looking back over all those years. We, we fought so hard to help people and girls in particular to be able to acknowledge and understand our bodies and celebrate them. I mean, that was a major struggle for me personally because of, of society and sexism was just learning to understand and celebrate my female body. And these books are, are, are priming kids to, as I said, consider the body as kind of an irrelevant thing, something that can be wrong. So it's feeding into precisely the, the disassociation with one's body, the loathing towards one bo one's body that people have been fighting to address for so long. We're, we're moving backwards. And the, um, what happens in the official sex ed curriculum certainly reinforces that separation from one's body and doesn't help girls and boys understand and celebrate the bodies we actually have. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, there might be something wrong with your body. And if there's parts of your body that you don't like, then that means those body parts are wrong and that they need to be fixed. Yeah. Um, what are they teaching these kids about actual sex and, and reproduction within this Yeah, so, so the sex ed curriculum kicks in at the end of elementary school. And in middle school um, and high school, um, which is, uh, I think it's basically 12 up through 18, maybe 11 through 18 for people not from the U.S., they have the official gender identity units which just declare that gender identity is this real thing as if there's a scientific basis when there isn't. And they just assert, see, they've primed the kids with the pretty pictures and the subliminal and not so subliminal messages. And now they try to present it like, okay, now here's the science. And so they say everyone has a gender identity, just ignoring people like me who say, I don't have a gender identity. And they tell kids that your gender identity is immutable, it's never changing, but then elsewhere in the curriculum, they learn that gender identity is dynamic and always changing, and there's people who are like male on Tuesdays and Thursdays and female on Wednesday. So the whole gender units are like completely incoherent, and it you know really messes with kids' ability to think critically. They don't define things. Uh, when they do define things, they do it, they do it in, inaccurately. Female is a person who identifies as a woman, and a male is a person who identifies as a man. So they're just kind of trading in objective biological definitions that we need for these shifting kinds of things. Homosexuality is defined in, in a bad way. So anyway, I can talk more about that if you'd like, but you asked specifically about the reproductive anatomy lessons and with that is the the puberty lessons mm -hmm. and this stuff is just I basically found it surreal uh, when I looked at like the video that the Seattle Public Schools made about puberty and I looked at the lessons delivered particularly in middle school it's it's all done in this kind of detached abstract 
convoluted language because they are literally trying to not use the words man, woman, male, female, he, she. They don't want to have any sex-based terminology in the units on sexual anatomy and sexual reproduction. So you have these like phrases used like when a person ejaculates so that kids aren't clear that, you know, it's the men, it's the men that ejaculate. And they say, you know, when someone gives birth to a baby, as in, you know, men can give birth to babies, is literally what they want, the impression they want to give. This might let someone know they are pregnant. So there's all that. And then when they show diagrams of male anatomy, these are not labeled as male or man. And they talk in this abstract way. And kids hearing this and seeing this are led to believe that the penis and the testicles in this diagram you know, they might be male anatomy, but, you know, they might also be female anatomy because this person for the diagram might identify as female. So they are literally teaching kids this. And if you if you think, oh, no, they could that just is accidental. There's actually a slide that we have in the um, in the video that we did that shows the thinking of the the people who have overhauled Seattle's sex uh, sexual reproduction lessons and they literally are telling teachers um, you may notice that the language throughout the lesson seems less familiar using the pronoun they instead of her or him referring to someone with a vulva rather than girl or woman this is intended to make the curriculum more inclusive of all genders, there it is again, you know, saying there's more than male and female and gender identities. And they explicitly uh, say, you know, you need to remember that a person with a penis doesn't always identify as a boy. And a person with a vulva doesn't always identify as a girl. So, so basically, they're telling the teachers we need to be really vague and unclear about whose anatomy is whose. And I don't think kids even get the clear message from this education as it's happening now that you actually need a male and a female to produce a baby. And if you have a male and a female who get together, whether they like it or not, they might create a baby regardless of how they identify. I think that kind of gets obscured in this free-floating, convoluted language that now... Uh, it constitutes sex ed, sexual reproduction, puberty lessons in Seattle schools. Yeah, it's so that's super major, confusing. Yeah, and it's intentional. It's it's supposed to get kids separated from any idea that there are sexes, there are two sexes, and there are distinctions, important distinctions between us. And of course, the entire the entire um, gender identity units. And other units in the sex ed um, program is completely, completely one-sided. There's, you know, there's no, it, kids have to be affirmed in the sex that they say they are. And the only people who don't do the pronouns that those kids want are, you know, ignorant people or mean people. You, you don't hear anything about those people except 
there's one video that they show kids produced by a amazed.org, which has one character named Jim, who's a real doofusy kind of guy. And he's, you know, he's going to be really mean to this person named Glenda who used to be Glenn. And, and he, he obviously knows nothing about the issues, but his girlfriend is compassionate and articulate. And she explains, you know, that Glenn was born in the wrong body. It's just, so they're not getting any articulate presentation by people like us about um, sex and gender and um, what sex is. They're not getting any of that. And if they want to do like an extracurricular um, report on gender and sports, the school system materials direct them only to a website of an organization that says it's great to have men in women's sports. And they don't connect kids, of course, to any of the experts and websites with the, the incontrovertible evidence that men have a competitive advantage in sports and that it is completely unfair for men to be in women's competitive sports. And the statistics play that out. None of that. It's all completely one-sided. Yeah, and that, you know, what good, compassionate, nice people do is to accept and support this ideology and this idea that you can be born in a wrong body and that the way that you can determine if somebody is born in the wrong body and, in fact, the opposite sex is based on the clothes that they like to wear. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I When did this all begin? You know, when was this ideology first starting to come into schools? Do you know? I think it's it it varies in location. I think Seattle is likely kind of on the early side of things. But, you know, from looking at the materials, it seems like really it's just the last um, five years, six years that the gender ideologues have really gotten in there and um, uh, edited out of the lessons on reproductive anatomy references to men and women. It's still kind of present a little bit in a unit for elementary school that has not yet been <laughs> fixed. So, but I think in Seattle, it's even here, and we're probably on the early side, we literally are talking about these major changes just over the matter of like five or six years. Now we, we um, did not, it wasn't mandated that there be sex ed until a law was passed just, um, when was that? A year ago, year and a half ago. So now it's, it's compulsory that there be sex education in all public schools in Washington. It still leaves supposedly everything up to the local district, but they have to meet some basic standards at the state level. So my guess is that any districts that have not yet implemented this kind of brainwashing, and this is completely anti-science, uh, it's scientifically invalid, any districts in Washington that haven't done that are going to be pressured to have this kind of stuff in there. And, and I'm, I'm sure this is happening all over the country. There are places that already have this in there. And 
some holdouts that don't, and there's going to be massive pressure, including withholding of funds by the federal government and stuff like that to get this everywhere. We, we also have the Seattle School District adopted official policies that say um, boys who say they're girls get to play on the girls team. Kids get to go in the locker room of, you know, the sex they say they're are, they are. Teachers have to use the wrong sex pronouns. So we also have that level of stuff as various districts. And I'm trying to remember the date on that. That official Seattle policy seems, again, to have not been adopted until within the last five years. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this. And when my kids went through the Seattle public school system, I'm pretty sure this was not there. So they're in 30s now, so the early 30s. So this is like, as of 10, 15 years ago, I don't think it was there. But I don't know, because part of how this toxic ideology is happening and spreading so fast is they had a, they're very well funded, and they had a, a clear strategy of doing it quietly, of hitchhiking onto things that sound important and good. You know, the gender identity units in the school for Seattle, they're glommed together with sexual orientation. And virtually all of the aura that justifiably surrounds uh, the rights of gays and lesbians is used to give a free pass to the gender identity trans ideology even though it's distinctly different and even though it is undermining gay and lesbian rights. So there's this stuff is being pushed and it's being pushed with great cleverness under the wire without people seeing it. Right. They're just saying, I'm for, I'm for gays and rights, uh, the rights of gays and lesbians. And boy, you know, for some people, you know, I was wrong about that before some, some people are feeling, and I want to just make sure to, you know, just really be there to support this without understanding what it is. Yeah, and I mean, the other strange thing that they're teaching is because, you know, they, it seems to me that they really, they've replaced the word sex with the word gender in every single context, including when they're discussing sexual orientation. So they're teaching within this curriculum that sexual orientation is determined by determined by whether a person is attracted to the same gender rather than the same hmm. sex, which is really strange. Yeah, they explicitly have that false definition. And um, I'm hearing anecdotally that if you're in high school, the cool thing to be is trans or non-binary gay or lesbian, that is not so cool. And that there's um, dwindling numbers of people who openly identify as gay or lesbian, while the numbers of those identifying as trans or non-binary are increasing. Meanwhile, the so-called cis people who are said to, who are implied to like, feel just fine with sexist stereotypes imposed on us and to feel just fine with becoming a subset of our actual sex. You know, I hate the word cis, but anyway, um, cis people are kind of the lowest rung in, in the kind of hierarchy. But yeah, the homosexuality redefinition is key. Since as 
um, I'm sure you know, um, <clears throat> it turns out that a lot of um, children who um, become uncomfortable with their body, if allowed to go through puberty, they most desist, and a significant percentage of those individuals uh, turn out to be gay or lesbian, and they were struggling with ongoing homophobia. So the fact that the schools are teaching that homosexuality is same gender attraction, that's feeding into the pressure that lesbians are getting to have sex with people with penises because we're they're supposed to say, you know, these are actually women. And it, it's not giving the gay and lesbian students the support they need. In fact, it's undercutting them. And that's one of the most terrific things about this this agenda. Yeah, I mean, it's teaching them the opposite of, like, it's okay to be attracted to the opposite sex. It's saying, actually, it's not okay to be attracted to the opposite sex because, you know, if you're not attracted to somebody with a penis who identifies as a girl or a woman, then there is something wrong with you. Right. And we're, we're just seeing just really... Um terrible pressure especially on lesbians which is you know it's it is homophobia and it's being basically supported by these school policies and, and all of this is just so um tremendously anti-science there are these statements made and, and our second video the first video lays out portions of the curriculum and the second one is more analytical and identifies uh, seven particular things that are said in the schools that really are scientifically and medically just not true. So it's just such a strange time we live in because, you know, a hundred years ago, there was the Scopes trial because uh, someone wanted to not be forced to teach creationism in the school and instead to teach science-based evolution. And now we have the so-called left supporting what is basically the new creationism, this, um, this faith-based concept that there is no such thing as, as biological sex and that, that all that matters is what an individual claims to be which it's it's basically it's like the reverse of what John Scopes fought, fought for, and it's being pushed by the left, the new creationism. And a lot of times, when you see people speaking about the schools and their concerns, many are speaking as people who are religious. Um, and the news media, to the extent they cover this at all, will only feature those voices. But there are a whole lot of us, myself included, who are atheists who are deeply concerned mm -hmm. about this ideology because we see it as basically a religious ideology that's being imposed on people through the schools. So it's just interesting and disturbing from so many different angles. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I've, I've said the same thing many times, which is that this is a belief system. This is faith-based, and I have, I, like you have, compared this to a religion, and I'm also an atheist, and so... You know, you know, this ideology is not based in science or in facts. And it's such a, it's, it's just so strange and mind boggling to me that they're presenting it in the opposite 
way and that, you know, everybody has a gender identity. This is something innate and something inherent. And yet at the same time saying, oh, but this can change, you know, your gender identity can be they one day, as you said earlier, it could be he another day. None of it makes any sense. And just, I just wonder what these people are thinking who are, who are teaching this. I mean, have you ever spoken to any teachers about any of this? Um, I've spoken with someone who was more in a counseling role and how this succeeds is that the people who are in the school systems are just assuming that the quick little pseudoscience facts that are flipped at them are backed by actual science. And some feel quite bad about um, the mishandling of gay and lesbian rights in the past and really want to make sure that they don't, they're not on the wrong side again. I, I think, you know, the person I'm thinking of was, was feeding back to me basically quotes from gender identity ideology groups, you know, saying, well, no, no, you know, you know, I've heard about this and, and there's, you know, there's multiple sexes. And, and when I would say things like, okay, <laughs> you know, and I would explain a little bit about disorders of, of sexual development. And then I'd say, and, and, and by the way, the people who are trans identifying don't have those conditions. You know, they, they had never heard anybody say that. So all they're getting, you know, they, these, this ideology silences people like you, um, people like me, other people in so many ways, you know, we can't get published. We can't get seen. You get harassed if you speak, stick your head above the parapet. And so well-intentioned people who are, you know, struggling to manage their home life and their work life, they see this stuff and they're just kind of assuming without looking into it at all that it must make sense and there must be science behind it. So I think that uh, as terrifying as what's going on in the schools is <laughs> and how key it is to how we have lost so many rights so fast, I do see working on the schools as a real opportunity for those of us who are deeply concerned about this ideology because if we can do, if we can have people everywhere, you know, digging up and like making visible what is being taught, one thing that we can do is we can establish some of the things the gender identity ideology pushes. Because I'm sure you've run into this. A lot of times, if, if I'm discussing this with a group of people, I'll say, and then, you know, they did this and the other thing. And people say, oh, come on, you're exaggerating. They wouldn't say that. That's not what they're saying. And, and I find that with this uh, video that shows what they're actually saying to kids, at least I have something that's like tangible. It's their words. And, you know, at least I can force people to accept, oh, OK, they really are saying your sex has nothing to do with your body. You weren't just exaggerating, Carol, like you always are. You know what I mean? So I think 
we have to take on the schools because it's a key way the ideology is spreading, but it's also an opportunity to expose the just incoherent anti-science, ludicrous basis of this entire ideology. Mm -hmm. I know it's so odd to me because a lot of people will say to me, you know, people who are, you know, advocating gender identity ideology, trans activists, um, will say, you know, like, Megan, you're ignoring the science. Like, this, we're, this is, like, science-based, you know, this is proven in science. And I'm always like, what science? Where is this science? What science are you talking about? And what is even this, you know? Is it this idea that, you know, there's no such thing as sex or that, you know, you can identify as a different sex or that you can be born in a wrong body or whatever. Is that science-based? What do you mean by this? But people have just been told that this is the fact and this is rooted in science. And so I think you're right. They do. They just believe it. Um, And, you know, that's, that's a mantra of the left, you know, trust the science. And so they think that when they say that, or when others say that to them, they're on the the right side of politics or history or what have you. Um, And of course, one of the big things that the gender ideologues have been able to do by silencing um, voices that dissent is they've created the impression that Here's this class of people, trans-identifying people, who are just trying to live their lives. And why don't people just, you know, let them live, live and let live? And it's a classic Darvo situation, you know, deny, attack, reverse the order of the victim and the offender. Because, I mean, the reason that we're involved is that People are saying sex-based rights don't exist anymore. And we, uh, the language we need to discuss our biology and our lives is being taken away. And we have a responsibility to children to protect them from big pharma. So, you know, we need to be able to uh, make it clear that we, we are the ones who are fighting for rights because they've been able to just hide the attacks on rights that are represented by this ideology and then claim that we're just, you know, people who don't have anything better to do with our time than to attack people who are just sitting there minding their own business. So I think that in fighting on the schools, we have an opportunity to try and produce our own materials um, and message that claims for ourselves the mantle that we should have. You know, we're against bullying and harassment of anyone, every child, whatever their view about their body and their sex is, of course, deserves to be respected and not bullied. And of course, we support people who don't conform with gender stereotypes. You know, we're the ones who actually have fought for that and who actually see the sexism in this ideology. You know, we can put forth, you know, what we stand for, you know, freedom of speech and, and, and discussion, science-based uh, education, um, helping people love their bodies, giving kids who are having trouble with their bodies real support, real full support. You know, so I think we need to be proactively presenting what should be taught in the schools as part of trying to get this stuff out. 
I mean, and there's not, I mean, it's, the ideology in and of itself is confusing and dangerous and anti-science and so on and so forth. But more than just that, it's, it, it, it does, you know, it can lead to kids actually harming their bodies and, and ruining their lives, really. Yeah. And that's something that the um, harassment of medical and scientific people who are just trying to publish studies or speak up on this stuff comes into play because the the so-called scientific basis for the suicide statistics that are cited is non-existent. Existent. Uh, the you know the people who are saying you have to you have to affirm and have everybody in the school affirm somebody in the sex they claim to be because the child's going to uh, kill themselves if they don't. You know that's just the scientific basis of that doesn't exist. If you look at the so-called studies that they're citing, they're not saying they they don't establish that at all. At the same time, there's all sorts of scientific data out there that indicate that you should be really, really concerned about blocking puberty, you know, with off-label drugs that are used to castrate sex offenders. You should be really concerned about that. And, and that's not being talked about. You know, the fact that it isn't just your sexual organs that develop during puberty, it's also your brain and your bones get the kind of density you need so you don't have early onset osteoporosis. I mean, there's so much that needs to be said about the harms of puberty blockers and the harms of breast binding and, you know, tying things around your breasts and all of that stuff, not to mention all of the, um, the impacts of wrong sex hormones, you know, having a body that is female and you're going to give the concentrations of hormones that are for a male body and you're just going to assume that everything's just going to work out fine. I mean, that's just that's just acting without precaution to start with. But there's plenty of data out there that indicates that there may be increased cardiovascular risks and all sorts of risks. Not to mention that if you want to detransition, you've got permanent damage. One thing that never gets talked about that really bugs me is, you know, I'm a singer and your voice is such a precious thing. You know, what's the impact on your singing voice? If you do um, chemical treatments on your body, can you ever get your voice back? You know, it's just, to me, it's just like messing with the voice. Never gets talked about. And that's possibly, you know, the least concern compared to the other medical concerns for the body going through that. And then, of course, you know, surgery. You just can't undo it. You know, cutting off a girl's breast, cutting out the uterus and having young women go into early menopause. I mean, oh, my God. And, you know, women of my age (laughs) understand that you don't want to have menopausal symptoms in your 20s. You just don't want it. And is that stuff being talked about? That, all of that, you know, the mechanics of what is done to your body and the health risks, there is absolutely zero 
in the public school curriculum that talks about that. All it is is hype, hype up, hype. You got to be yourself. Being yourself can mean, you know, rejecting and altering your body. And there is zero, zero about the health risks, zero about the people who detransition. And it's, it really is, it really is appalling. It's really disturbing and it's really dangerous. And it makes me really angry in a number of ways, but I can't help but feel angry at people who go along with it. You know, I know people in my life who have either kids or, you know, nieces and nephews, um, you know, younger family members who have decided to start identifying as they and to change their names or identifying as the opposite sex who just go along with it because they, I think, you know, they're trying to be nice or they think they have no choice. On the flip side, I know tons and tons of parents who are really, really worried about this but feel like there's nothing that they can do. Um, Yeah. I mean, what do you tell parents who feel helpless about this because they're having to send their kids to school? You know, I have friends who with, I have friends who have kids who are young, so who are just starting school, and they're super freaked out because they know that their kids are going to learn this in school, and because they also know that in schools, um, administrators, teachers, etc., will transition kids socially at least um, without yeah. telling the parents. So they'll start using, you know, preferred pronouns as it's called. Um, using right. a different name and going along with this notion that, you know, say if you're a boy, now you're a girl and everyone's going to call you a girl and won't even tell the parents that this is going on. Yeah. And I'm trying to find out whether that happens in the Seattle schools or not, but I've seen these gender support plans from other places where the school, the teachers, everybody in the school has a plan to call a child a different sex, have them use a different name, join the other sex team in sports, and how they're going to make sure the parents don't find out. It's, it's absolutely appalling. Yeah, so I, at this conference that I went to, I, I met various women who have basically lost their children because they they wouldn't go along with that. And it's just heartbreaking, heartbreaking hearing their stories. And I met various people whose kids are in schools and they're trying to figure out what to do. I, I mean, I don't know what I would do as a parent. I mean, homeschooling is really hard. And, I, you know, I always was a big supporter of the public schools. And I think the public schools are going to get um, really cut even further. than They're going to be hurt even further than they've already been hurt because of this movement. So I guess all I can say is to the parents who are struggling with this is, you know, make whatever choice you're going to make. You know, you can try having your kid in the school and then really talking with them. I I know that there's limits because peers and the school, they speak with such authority, these people at school, but you could at least uh, try and maybe um, talk with other parents to talk with your kids and prepare them for what's going to happen. But really the, the only thing we can really do is to organize, to fight back. Um, A starting step is just finding out what they're teaching and making it visible. Like we're trying to do um, 
with the video that we made and some, if you are um, interested in a group to, to hook up with women's human rights campaign, which is an international group is a good one on this, but we have to, we have to expose what's going on and we have to find each other, which is hard. I know, but we need to find each other so that we can all stand up together. I, I do feel like there is a movement developing to fight back on the school stuff. Lots of things are happening. The parent support groups that have formed for the parents whose kids are being trans by the schools are, are getting bigger. They're getting more interested in, in action, activism. Uh, you know, there's more people like me who are saying, okay, <laughs> I got to say my name in public. I can't just hide behind pseudonyms. I got to stand up. There's a lot of people who are based on this standing up. And I think... I think when we have, have found each other, I think that this ideology is not going to survive in the schools because it is so completely outrageous and so awful. Yeah, and regarding uh, friends, what she said about the friends, I get angry too. <laughs> I do. I am amazed at how easily people can be gaslit. You know, just as long as somebody slaps a nice, liberation sounding cover on something the most oppressive ideology has been allowed to advance and it it does make me angry that um people who should know better are just hiding from it and a lot are, are going along with it and promoting it you know and, and showing up at things with their pronouns on their their tags and Making sure that, you know, at when groups and choruses and organizations that they're a part of are giving public statements that they make sure to say, we welcome all genders. You know, they're, they're, they're going along with pushing something that is just homophobic, sexist, anti-science and harmful to ch children. But that's because of how well-funded and, and um, how, how this ideology has silenced women and, and kept this hidden. And I think the schools are a way to crack that open and make it visible. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're right, you know, finding people in your community to connect, because I think that is how you build a movement is, you know, by finding people in real life that you can talk with and maybe organize, you know, start doing something, start, you know, setting up meetings with politicians or schools, start producing resources, doing some activism, yeah. um, things like that. And, and I know, I mean, that can be scary, but at the same time, that's sort of the only way, especially because I know that a lot of the, the parents who are worried about this, for example, do feel isolated, you know, and they feel like there's nothing that they can do and no one that they can talk to. But it's not really true that they're isolated because there are a lot of people who have concerns about what's going on and a lot of people are just scared to say something. And so, you know, the more that... People know what's being taught. People are going to say, what? You're joking, right? And be like, no, look, look at it. Yeah, I think that there's going to be... We can organize to formally petition school districts and other bodies to get this stuff out of the schools and put in good programs. I think that there can and should be some lawsuits. Um, 
the gender ideologues have managed to put a lot of weaselly language into different statutes, including our new state law mandating um, sex ed. And let me be clear, you know, I think sex ed is important. I just don't like how it's being used to ch channel this, this ideology. Um, anyway, uh, I, they have some language in there that could make it harder to sue. But I think we can and should still sue um, because scientifically and medically inaccurate and injurious stuff is being taught in the schools. And, and there's there's handles in state laws and probably federal law, I don't know enough yet, um, that can be used. And I mean, a hundred years ago, the Scopes trial, the evolution versus creationism trial, Scopes actually lost that, that case, but it was pivotal in, in, in turning things around and uh, saying we need science-based education in the schools. And of course, you know, people should be raising this with elected officials and candidates. I would just love it if the uh, people in Grants Pass, Oregon, where the school administrator and teacher who spoke up got fired, I heard that people were maybe going to try to recall the school board members who voted to fire them. That would be nice. So, you know, there's lots of things. Once we find each other, we can talk about strategy. And I think there are some ways we can crack this open relatively swiftly. Mm -hmm. So, and so how can people um, find you and, and access the, the work that you do and, and the resources? Do you have a website? Well, the, the videos have um, an email address that we have, I have access to, and that's the best way to reach me at this point. Um, I'm and those videos are on YouTube. What's the, what is the channel called? Uh, uh, I'm hoping you will link to this, but yeah, I think I'll, it's I'll put, I'll Biology link to it all. Sorry, I'm talking over you. I'll link to it in the show notes, but you, it's, it's called Biology yeah. Matters on YouTube. And yeah, that's there's no, these... no spaces, all one word, Biology Matters, but if you look up, at this point, gender ideology in our schools, part one, and gender ideology in our schools, part two, you will see the email address underneath that. And, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff happening. There's local organizing going on here. So um, that's the place to start right now. And hopefully we'll have some more formal structures. Also, I do encourage people to contact Women's Human Rights Campaign um, and to join, to support that group and be part of it. You need to be in agreement with the Declaration on Women's Rights that they have. Um, and it's a good place to meet people uh, who include people who are working on this. And I am I'm volunteering with that organization, too. Okay, awesome. It was really good to talk to you. Thank you so much for doing all this work. It's really important. And I know that a lot of people um, have major concerns about this and are going to feel, feel really grateful to, to hear from you and to know that people are organizing and that they're not alone. Well, thank you. And, and thanks for the opportunity to be on the show and for all your work on these on these important issues. Okay, great. Have a great night. Thanks again. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
You just heard an interview with Carol Dancero. You can find her resource videos on YouTube. The channel is called Biology Matters. And you can contact her via biologydoesmatter at gmail.com. That is all the time we have for today. I'm Megan Murphy. Thanks for tuning in to Feminist Current. You can find us online at feministcurrent.com, tweet at us at feministcurrent, or send us an email at info at feministcurrent.com. We are hosted by Libsyn, and you can subscribe to the Feminist Current podcast anywhere you like to listen. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Spotify, and beyond. You can even give us five stars and a review on iTunes. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy, out of Vancouver, BC. Feminist Current is produced and hosted by myself, Megan Murphy. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation to support our work. Just visit feministcurrent.com and click the donate button.